0: Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. This is going to be a short episode in about 24 minutes. I have a commitment, so I got to keep it short. But I wanted to um, bring to you uh, two things, two points I want to make, and then I want to elicit your help for something. So the two points, number one, is that in case you haven't noticed, many of you have. I even had someone message me about this. Republicans are reacting in ways to Pride Month this year that we haven't really seen, at least on this level. Um... Young Republicans in my state uh, have posted something on their social media, and I want to talk about it, because as Christians, we're going to have to figure out, what does this mean? Do we find another party? Uh, do we? Is this a call to get it more involved, that there, there haven't been enough Christians involved? And so um, these re- young Republicans who are just out at sea without any guiding principles, do they need some help? Uh, what does this mean? And it um, seems like what's happening is, uh, as Robert Louis Dabney said at the end of the 19th century that uh, conservatism, American conservatism, is just that shadow that follows radicalism. It's just not rooted to anything. It's it's Obama, when he ran the first time, is more conservative on the family, it seems like, in some ways, than a lot of Republicans are today. So we want to talk about that. We also want to talk about um, Southern Baptist professors, two of them I just want to show you and highlight who have talked about social justice, and I'll show you their writings, but they're not um, any of the professors that have been highlighted before because they haven't been overt about critical theory or any of that. My point is, though, that this kind of language is just kind of, it's in the water. This is just kind of part of the, it's the landscape. And it, it's just firing a few professors doesn't automatically, well, we, we got rid of social justice teaching or something like that. Um I saw this when I was at Southeastern. It's in the chapel messages. It's in the administration. They're the only ones that can intimidate uh, the professors um, you know, and, and if, you know, as to whether or not they should speak up. Uh, it's in NAM, right? The SEND um, Institute. It's in, to some extent, the IMB with uh, the uh, suggestion of doing um, uh, diversity training and implicit bias training, I think was the term used a couple months ago there's just there's a lot of examples out there and so i just want to pick these two just to show you hey look there's professors that this isn't their main thing they don't talk about it all the time but it's just kind of it's kind of there and um and, and this is what messengers i think need to realize as they go into the, the convention that this is this is kind of a stage four cancer thing and it's not to go personally after these professors at all it's not uh not not far from it it's just to show that this is it's not just SBC. this is just kind of everywhere right? This, it, this is, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost wanting to use the term they like to use a lot. It's systemic. Well, it's not It's not like every single person does this all the time and is talking about social justice, but um, it's, it's, it's present. It's, uh, it seems to be, um, even for those who aren't as controversial, who don't make the headlines, they'll still use the term and they'll use it in ways that at the very least, maybe some of us should be a little uncomfortable with. And, uh, and so I just want to highlight that. A little bit for you, and then I want to elicit your help. Actually, I'll elicit your help first a little bit. So let me show you what I need help on. Um, I'm trying to figure out book cover concepts, and I think I'll name the book that we're doing "Christianity and Social Justice." That's a working title, at least for now. And here are just some concepts. Here, uh, one, the first one, someone sent me, um, but I, I was the one. The middle one, I created. That was my first concept, and and purely, you know creation in my mind of what I thought a book cover could look like. Now, I think there'd be color in it. I don't think it'd be black and white, but kind of that contrast between the raised fist and then uh, Christ's kind of outstretched hand and then Christianity and social justice. So on the right was just a little sketch someone made um, that might uh, just be a little bit better of a, uh, I don't know, (laughs) format uh, scale But um, I wanna hear what you guys think. Uh, I'd like to really see if there's someone else who has a better idea, uh, because I'm kind of hitting my writer's block. I'm not sure exactly uh, what would be, the the publisher wants three ideas, and I just really honestly have this one. I think it's a good one, but um, what other ideas are out there, or could this be improved upon? Um, You can email me. Uh, Probably the best thing, let's see, the best email, ooh, let's see, send it to, I think JonathanHarris1989 at gmail.com is probably the best one. And uh, just, just send it there if you have uh, a, a, an idea. I would really appreciate it. Um, moving on here uh, Republicans, oops, here we go Republicans during Pride Month. Um, this is someone from the uh, Glenn Youngkin uh, campaign, which uh, Glenn Youngkin did win uh, the um, primary, barely, but he did win. And um, I pointed out how Glenn Youngkin is basically into social justice. And when he says he's not going to teach critical, you know, he's going to make sure Virginians don't teach critical race theory. No reason to believe him based on his track record. He needs to come out and then retract uh, statements he signed in the past, both with his company and with his church. And in the past, I mean, last year, it's not like ancient history, but I digress. Um, Here's, uh, here's one of his campaign uh, guys who worked for his campaign and he, he put happy pride month, everyone. If you don't know why we celebrate it, ask yourself if you or anyone you know has ever been scared to be openly straight now ask. And, and it goes on and just how, how terrible it is, I guess for pride, people that are LGBTQ, etc. Um, Now, okay. That's one guy, right? Uh, I mean, he's posting a don't tread on me rainbow flag. I mean, this is just, it, it's, it's, <laughs> Yeah, the, the, I'm sure the founders would have loved that, their, their symbol there, the snake, and don't tread on me, um, having a rainbow flag backdrop uh, for Pride Month. But here's here's the thing. It's not just one guy. Um, Young Republicans, Federation of Virginia. This is the Young Republicans of Virginia, guys. In 2018, they said, under Chairman Kishore uh, Thota, I think I'm pronouncing it right, uh, YRFV passed a resolution recognizing the political diversity of the LGBT uh, community and the principles enshrined in Virginia's Republican creed that all individuals are entitled to equal rights, justice, and opportunities, and should assume their responsibilities as a citizen in a free society. This Pride Month, we re- recognize the contributions of all hardworking LGBT Republicans in the Young and young Republicans around our Commonwealth serving as party leaders, activists, elected officials, and candidates. We are so proud of you and proud to welcome conservatives of all backgrounds to aid in our efforts for Republican victory this year. This is where we're going, and and you can see the logic that's being employed here. Um, this is just about equality. It's about equal rights. It's about justice, opportunities. Um, this is why when you when your political party starts down this road of we're about something like equality or democracy or some, you know, it's it's this sort of vague notion, uh, this vague principle that can be applied to all kinds of different things. You're actually you actually don't have a principle in effect. You think you do, but there really isn't a principle here. There's no boundary that keeps equality from applying to anything you want to apply it to, if that's the case. I mean, if it can override the difference between men and women, then why not, Oh, you know, equality for, uh, I, I mean, this is, is offensive to some people at this point, but I'm just saying the logic itself could lend it to, could be used by someone who wants to promote pedophilia or, um I don't know, uh, really any kind of deviancy you can think of. There just isn't, just just say you don't believe in the family anymore. Just say you don't believe in hierarchy anymore. Just equality of everything. There is no hierarchy. Um, everyone should just be equal. And I mean, this is dumb, but this is where we're headed because there is no brake pedal. There's no boundary. There's no uh, thus saith the Lord. Um, there's, there's nothing transcendent, uh, and and there's no, there's no designer with a transcendent meaning that, um, in this conception that, uh, puts boundaries on things. And so, um, this is no different than like atheists for liberty or something. There's just, and I don't know how you can consider any of this conservative. It's not. I mean, the most basic unit of society that conservatives are supposed to protect is the family. And out of the family comes culture at large and the traditions and the principles and the care and stewarding of land and resources and all these things that conservatives have traditionally cared about. And this just blows it all up. So there's no point to being a Republican if that's all that being a Republican is. I mean, why, If, if Republicans are just as much, for the social i mean we already know that they spend almost they're 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 not quite as bad as democrats they're just getting us to the same point financially a little bit slower but it's pretty fast we already know fiscally republicans have pretty much caved um on a national level at least i'm not saying all the state governments are like that you might be in a state where the republicans are great but um now there are, <laughs> there's evidence that on the social issues they're also caving and uh, and this is just i think a prime example of that in fact i probably should have i'll show you i'll i'll work it into another episode um maybe maybe i can do it maybe i can find it let's see here i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do this or not i'm gonna try it there there was a um video of ben shapiro that i also think exemplifies this case i'm gonna see if i can find it here ah yeah i found it all right let me show you this this is Ben Shapiro recently. And I, I'll just comment after you see what he says. We are indeed done here today. I have an appointment I got to get to. Thank you, guys. It's great to see you. And I will see you here next time.
1: One thing on that episode. Yeah. I said pansexual. It, it, pansexualism is weird. Can we just talk that? I can ask. That'd be great. Before it's reposted. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could. Um, it's like a 10-second
0: film. It's about halfway through. It's just I'm pansexual. I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like, you know. You like everything? Like yeah, no dis- like, you want to get rid of that? Yeah, it's just
1: a, like, it's nothing, but don't so make it. You, something. When but, do you I mean, it is
0: weird that you're attracted I, to every single thing. Yeah. Wait, no you taste at all. I that was a funny bit. It is a funny bit, but that's why I'll get boycotted. All right, so here's the deal Ben Shapiro did this recently, and um, it's. <laughs> I, I guess I'd never even heard of that term. and And maybe if you have kids in the car, I probably should have said this earlier, you know, this, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm going past what, what you already heard from Ben, but uh, pansexualism, I guess means you're kind of like sexually attracted to everything, something like, it, it's weird, okay, and that's what Ben Shapiro said, it's weird, and then he's telling them, he doesn't know he's still being recorded, uh, his producers that, hey, can you cut that out, because I'll get boycotted over it. This is the state of conservatism, these aren't progressives these are supposedly the political conservatives if all they have is well we kind of believe in a free market (laughs) and we like to defend our border i i don't know that you have much worth preserving anymore if you're just going to give up on family which is essentially like, like i know ben has a family i but if you're if you're not even willing to say that a deviancy like that is even weird, let alone evil, let alone sinful, but you can't even say it's weird, then what can you say? And what won't? where won't you compromise? And that's the issue right now. There seems to be a, a freefall. There's just absolutely no foundation. There's no bedrock. There's no, there's no principles. This is what conservatism looks like when it's secularized. It's actually not conservatism anymore. It loses there really is no conservatism. Uh, you can uh, try to preserve some of, some of you know particular elements of it, but you just knock down the whole foundation of it, uh, which is the um, w- which, at least at the core of that, should be something related to preserving the family, because you know that that's good for society. At the very least, that's that's what's going to be the hedge against big government, and um, it's it's the most basic hierarchy that meets the needs of people uh, and prevents um, them from calling out to the government and going to the government for those needs. It, it's the, the welfare system that works because God created it. Um, this is just, it's mind boggling. I don't even know what to say. I, pre- I haven't even formed all my thoughts on it and I probably should should do that later, but um, I'll, I'll leave it at this. If conservatives are going to say that girls should play in girl sports and boys should play in boy sports, but they won't fight on any of these other issues, They're, they won't. They, their positions are that pornography is free speech. If they think that no fault divorce is totally fine and that was a good idea, if they think that um, marriage itself really isn't necessary uh, because you know living together is, is just as good, or, or you know. Uh, or that's necessary before marriage or something like that. If they think that um, you know, homosexuality, same sex unions, all that stuff, totally fine, then what's why why can't boys play girls? I mean it's this it, it's the same principles we're working off of that there's a designer and he made um, males one way with certain responsibilities and females one, another way with certain strengths and possi- and responsibilities. If you don't recognize that in all these other areas, how can you then mount an opposition to boys playing in girls sports? And you just knock down the foundation you say that you believe in. Is it just based on popular opinion at this point? Because if that's true, then we're just, we're slaves to the mob at this point. Whatever they say, we have to go along with somehow in order to quote unquote win. And I, I think there's more important things than winning. And um, the, the, you know, the progressives and the Democrats, yeah, they wanna win. But they, even when in the early years, when they, when no one, you know, everyone thought they were crazy, you know, and uh, when when they were politically isolated and all, all of that kind of stuff, they still held on to their principles and their principles were terrible, but they still had some kind of thing they believed in, whether it was <laughs> knocking down uh, capitalism and the hegemony and all of that, and then instituting this great utopia, pipe dream. Um, if it was that, then uh, it was, it, it was you know, maybe crazy, maybe it was something that we, we can all look at and we can all oppose, but they actually believed in something and many of them didn't compromise. And they've won the culture war over time, um, or been winning it, I shouldn't say no anyone's won it, we, we're still, we still fight, we're not gone. But um, it's a, really a culture siege too, it's, it's not a culture war, but I digress. They've done this through the march through the institutions, over time, slowly hanging on to these principles. And conservatives can't seem to, uh, Republicans at least can't seem to do that as well. So I would just encourage you, you know, if this kind of stuff bothers you, get involved. Um, you know, outvote <laughs> your local republic, young Republican club. You know, get the person out of there who's pushing this stuff. Put someone in there who's going to champion the, the family. Um, th- that would be my encouragement. So. I wanted to show that to you and it's not to depress you it's just this this is the world we're living in though and it's changing really fast uh let's talk about this so we're this southern baptist stuff um in the uh southern baptist convention in uh the, these professors actually are both from the southern baptist theological seminary in louisville kentucky i believe yeah uh, Brian Vickers is one of them. He's a professor of New Testament interpretation, assistant editor of the Southern Baptist Journal of Theology. And here's what Brian Vickers had to say uh, in class, and I'll just play it for you.
1: The other thing in the prophets is you get an equal, you get an equal uh, emphasis on the importance, the biblical importance of social justice, Right? Um, which is, it tends to just launch into immediate controversy among evangelicals, because everybody's afraid they're going to fall into social gospel. Though I've yet to meet any evangelical who actually fell into social gospel.
0: Let me stop it right there. The term social justice itself, I mean, I've gone through the history of it before, but just to give you a little review, it comes from the social gospel. Yeah, I know some people try to say, no, there were Catholics using it before that. They meant something different, though. They were talking about um, trying to, preserve social bonds that existed between landowners and tenants, uh, and applying that to an industrial setting. The social justice that we think about today is really redistributive justice that goes back to Rousseau. And um, the, the term social justice was used by Rauschenbusch and others in that social gospel period in America to promote Fabian socialism, because Fabian socialism was mostly secular and Americans didn't want to buy into socialism because it had this secular connotation. So instead of calling it socialism, they called it social justice. So fundamentally, what what he's talking about here, oh, you know, I've never, no one's ever bought into that because of social justice, you know. No, that's actually how it was formed. That's literally why the term social justice is around. It was selling socialism to Christians in America.
1: Usually so far on the other extreme, like, we could probably use a dose of it, but immediately people are like, oh, social gospel. Like, Don't worry, I'm not going to turn into a social worker.
0: Uh, so we could use he's saying we could use a dose of social justice. Um, doesn't mean that we're social gospel. We could just use a little social justice.
1: Uh, but we're so afraid, we're so afraid of this demon called the social gospel that we'll often use that as just a, a, basically an excuse to talk about Issues of social justice, but not actually engage in any of it, right? But that's that's a little bit of a hobby horse of mine. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that one. Uh, be, but you can go to the prophets and read, right? Because the way we treat the way we treat those apart from us is the material example, is the material evidence of what our relationship with God really is, right? That's another thing that you see in the prophets. It's another place where you can make.
0: So his definition's coming out now. Social justice is just how you treat people. It's treating people nice, not social gospel. It's just treating people nice. Forget the history of the etymology, of, or not the etymology, but the history, I should say, of the term and how it's been used. Um, what it means today in the minds of most people, uh, it, it really hasn't changed. I mean, you have John Rawls using it a little differently. You have, you have little anomalies. But basically, the way social justice has been used and the way it's certainly used today is not just treating, it's not charity. It's not just well treating people right. Um, it's much more than that. And this is, uh, again yeah, a professor who's saying this is a hobby horse of his. Hobby horse. Um, doesn't seem to understand the history of the term, but it's a hobby horse of his.
1: A constant application in the times we're living in because their outward actions are all evidence or lack of of their internal sort of relationship with God, Because we tend to internalize our relationship with God when, in fact, our relationship with God is meant to be shown, and the only only material evidence for it anyway that's ever seen is the way we treat one another, the way we treat people outside of us.
0: All right. So uh, that is one professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's not one of the ones who you are probably familiar with. Uh, and it's not it's not to get to just oppose him or get down on him. I mean, there's look, I'm ignorant about some things. It's not like um, I, I get it. but to, to say that this is a hobby horse of his and to say to, to act like you're knowledgeable enough to lecture on this in class. You'd think you'd know something about it and then not to make the distinctions that should be made. How about the fact that today's social justice is bent on creating an egalitarian society of some variety, some version of that through, Uh, taking down certain hierarchies that stand in the way of that, certain social institutions, using some kind of centralized authority, some kind of power to break those things up. It's a lot different than charity. It's a lot different than treating people in a just way, according to, to scripture, to how the term mishpat is generally used. And that's the problem. And it hasn't really changed. Those fundamental things I just mentioned haven't really changed throughout time. Uh, they've there's been different veneers put on social justice but those things have always pretty much been there so um, there you go that's what's one person uh, promoting a version of social justice in class let me show you something else here um, this is Peter Gentry you probably haven't heard of him either he is a professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary how to read and understand the, the biblical prophets book that he's put out there so Um, he uses the term social justice a bit as well. And I'm just going to give you uh, some examples of that. So the term is used quite a bit. Uh, Here's page 18 and 19. I'm going to just go through a few pages with you. It talks about how the prophets, um, they had a perspective on social justice. Um, Talks about, uh, let's see, god's going after them uh for accusing them of the loss of social justice or the prophets are i should say uh anyway i'm going to go through this quick israel losing social justice the final let's see four, four woes are all ways of elaborating the original charge of perverting social justice he goes through this all over the place um it has something to do with wealth um let's see social injustice gaining wealth associated with social injustice uh and this isn't he he uses the term uh retributive justice and that's not so, so that the assumption is here that that's not social justice there's social justice and then there's retributive justice um perverting social justice was a problem let's see again uh gaining wealth by social injustice and living a life of pleasure to spend that cat so so there's something th- and this is usually the way that social justice advocates use the profits. That their critique is against some kind of systemic you know wealth disparity of some kind and it almost sounds like that's how he's using it but i'm going to keep going because he makes an important statement um let's see uh we have in isaiah 11 where a future king uses gifts of the spirit to rid of evil and establish social justice i mean that's pretty important i mean this is like fundamental stuff uh at the heart uh let's see of the violation of social justice (laughs) Um, and here, so here's the thing. He says that social justice is the, a word pair of justice and righteousness. So he, he, he refers to it two ways justice righteousness or social justice. And he explains it. I'll just read his explanation. According to the Hebrew poetry, which is based upon placing lines in parallel pairs, justice is matched in the first line by righteousness in the second. Normally in prose, when the words justice and righteousness are joined together, they form a single concept or idea. Best expressed in English by the term social justice. Okay, best expressed in English by the term social justice? Really? That's the best way you can express this term. This is what Tim Keller did in his book, Generous Justice. He takes these two words smashes them together and says well now it's social justice. Now think now if you're if this is the best way to communicate in English, right? You think this would be the way that it should be translated, right? Um you there should be no confusion, right? Trying to minimize confusion is important. Uh, Now, let me uh, keep going. He says, as a figure of speech, the word pair becomes an idiom expressing a single thought that is both different from and greater than the words considered independently, just as one cannot analyze the expression by and large. In English, by studying by and large separately, someone cannot determine the meaning of this expression by analyzing justice and righteous separately. So he's saying that they form something different. They come together, they form something different, this justice, righteousness um isaiah 16 5 is employing the concept of social justice deuteronomy calls for a king who implements the torah in his regime and isaiah predicts a king who will deliver social justice in his rule um they are saying the same thing so the torah so here's what we know so far that if you're reading this book the torah uh the law is social justice that implementing the law is social justice uh we know that it has something to do with becoming wealthy in an inappropriate way. That has something to do with social justice. We know it's the best way to translate justice and righteousness together in English. Um, he says the meaning of the word pair, uh, is, let's see, he, he, there's pretty redundant stuff. There's a lot of things here. Um, here's what I want to get to. This is the last, this is page 49. So after you read all this, you get to this section where he says, this social justice, however, is not what is meant by the term in America today. Rather, it is a way of summing up all the commands in the Mosaic Covenant for the right way to relate to God and to treat other people and the earth's resources. So, <laughs> it's not the best term to use maybe in English to translate those two words, justice and righteousness. If I mean, it, it, I don't understand, then why use the term? If this is not the term that's used in America today, but it's somehow the best term to translate it from, from Hebrew into English. Um, and the way that it has been used somehow is associated with wealth and money. And do you see how confusing this is? And that's all I really want to point out is this is really confusing. And at this time, I think we need men who understand the culture around them. Uh, if you lived in Mormon country, you wouldn't want professors teaching at your Bible college or your seminary who are promoting um terms <laughs> that are from Mormonism. You talking about the priesthood of Melchizedek, let's say, in very confusing ways that are are just kind of confusing enough and vague enough that it it could make room for a Mormon concept. That would be an utter failure. You'd say the same thing probably in an Islamic context or any other religion. Taking terms uh, and concepts and then merging them with Christianity but then redefining them or um, sort of redefining them. I'm not even quite sure with these two professors to what extent they do believe in the social justice that's advocated today or don't believe in it. It doesn't see, they're not full throttle in that direction, it seems like, but there's there's some kind of, there's something there um, and it doesn't quite make sense. And so that's what I wanted to just point out to people that this is kind of, this is a big issue. It's just way bigger than the few professors we've talked about on this podcast. So I hope that was helpful for you, um, going into the southern baptist convention just to realize we need clarity and it's this this is a big deal if you don't think it's a big deal it's it's coloring so many different things it is a big deal and we need men we need to train pastors who are extremely sharp on this because it is the religion of the day it, it is like being a mormon country and not knowing mormonism and being confused about it when you exit seminary we don't want that so it is important and uh I appreciate uh, everyone's support. I, I don't say it often enough. I just wanted to thank everyone who does pray for me, does contribute. Um, I also wanted to say, because I mentioned it on the program yesterday, we do have a family friend who who is not in, um, who who is in not the greatest physical shape right now, uh, kind of like a grandmotherly figure. And I mentioned that. And um, and obviously, I'm here doing the podcast, so I didn't leave uh, to uh, kind of an emergency go and try to see them uh, during their final days or anything like that, but. Um, it it is kind of an up in the air kind of thing right now so I appreciate your prayers for that Uh, thank you and anyone who has any uh, design ideas for the book cover let me know, I appreciate it God bless, bye now